Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. These Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys and girls. Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nothing spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got game him. Winning. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. JJ German for the win. He got it. JJ German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandos and the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Hello and welcome to episode two, Sandos and the Sidekick. Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher here with you. Jam-packed show today. We'll be talking with SoCon John Hooper about the Southern Conference coming up in our second segment. Our third segment today will be an angry man. Literally, it's an angry man talking about things that make him angry about everyday things, which clearly we both do. I'm going to warn you that I'm probably going to hop on myself and get kind of angry also, so you may have to be the traffic cop here to keep me from running around and, like, throwing stuff. It's going to be kind of ugly, I think. I think it's going to be an interesting Tuesday to bridge the gap getting into the week from the previous week, uh, uh, you know, the last game moving into the new season or new game, if you will. So I think that will be interesting. That's our, that's our two big segments there. We'll also talk top 25. There was a huge top 25 game in FCS last weekend to kick things off uh, between North Carolina A&T at Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State parental powerhouse was a phenomenal game. A little bit of an upset with North Carolina A&T. A lot of people maybe scoff at uh, North Carolina A&T, but they were 14th ranked in the country going in. Big win. They forced some turnovers, so we'll talk about that. But yesterday, I guess the big thing was the news conference with head coach Randy Sanders, his first uh, true news conference in a game week. Yeah, and we've got sound from him. Uh, the first thing we'll hear from Coach Sanders about is I mean, how big of a week it really is for him. I mean, this is 30-plus years in the making for Coach Sanders, and to go up against a team in Mars Hill that some may look at and say, well, that's kind of a cream puff to start the schedule. He's not thinking that way at all, and he has to make sure that his men don't either. Trey Adams is back in studio, our producer. Let's hear Coach Sanders' thoughts on Mars Hill. When you turn on the Mars Hill tape defensively, pretty much what they do is are things that we have seen in practice from our defense. Uh, offensively, they're, they're similar style to us, so I think that helps their, uh, our defensive preparation. You know, they got a couple of receivers returning that are good players. They got an offensive lineman that's a very good player. You know, they're replacing a quarterback, replacing some guys on defense, so, they, so they've got some experience. It's, it's going to be uh, uh, a challenge for us, and I, and I try to tell our team it doesn't matter what the name on the jersey or anything else is. We got, we got to prepare for each team the same. They certainly have a lot of continuity. Uh, Tim Clifton, who's going to be on our show Thursday, the head coach of Mars Hill, 25 seasons. Matter of fact, he's played two or three games in the Dome behind us. And uh, the first question I'm going to ask is, what's it like to, to play outdoor at ETSU for him? But it, it, needless to say, he's been around the block 25 years as a head coach. You know what you're going to kind of expect to get out of him and his ball club. Well, and that's what Coach Sanders talked about in his second sound, but we're not going to hear the specific part where he said, I'm out experienced. It's 25 times as much experience for Coach Clifton as opposed to me. I think he said that he had 263 games coached as opposed to Coach Sanders who just had one. So basically he said if we get into a battle of experience, coach versus coach, it's not going to work so the players better win the game. Let's hear from Coach Sanders again. We go out there day one, our guys 
are learning a completely new language. It's like um, moving to China and certainly trying to learn Chinese the first day. You know, so offensively, obviously, we understand much more about what we're trying to accomplish, how we're trying to do things, uh, what I expect, what Coach Rader expects, what Coach McCutcheon expects, what, what, the, what the staff wants, and how we want it to look. Guys are playing fast. I think they're playing hard. It's hard for me to say if they're playing faster and harder than they did last year, but uh, I, I like the effort we're giving. I, I tell them I want them to play like their hair's on fire. For the most part, you go through fall camp, you look at our, uh, uh, our tape, and we got guys running to the ball, and that's what you want. There's not many guys standing around watching to see what's going on. He really sounds confident in that, the fact that the players will be able to go out and make those adjustments, be to the level that the staff wants them to be. And that can be tough, Jay. I think that's one of the most unknowns when it comes to a new coaching staff and players' expectations from one regime to the next. All these guys knew was Carl Torbush. Now, for some of the newer guys coming in, I think the adjustment period is kind of expected. But especially for some of the veterans, that can take a little bit of time. But it's time right now the Bucks don't have. They have a game coming up Saturday. Well, the first thing I want to do is when we get to the game broadcast on Saturday, mention learning Chinese. Matt Wiljum <laughs> uh, had to learn it. He went to China, adopted one. I think he's going to adopt a second one there. So he's he's had his fair share at trying to learn Chinese. So I asked him because he had uh, a couple different coaches in his career. Well, what's what's harder, Chinese? I'm sure he's going to say Chinese over learning different offenses. Now, the one constant, though, for uh, head coach Randy Sanders is certainly defense coordinator Billy Taylor. They return a majority of the defense. They played a lot of young guys in the secondary, but that front seven is very veteran and dominating at times a year ago, and certainly he has that to lean on. And I think the question right now is coming into this game week, how much does Sanders know his team, and how much can you know a team from six months of quote-unquote practice and scrimmages? And I think that's something Coach Sanders addressed in our next soundbite of you go from practice to game day. Every player reacts differently. Some step their game up. Some actually come down a few levels. Others stay right in the middle. A lot of times guys are one way in practice and they're a different way in games. I've had guys that uh, were great in practice and then once the lights came on, they went crazy. And I've had some other guys that were pretty good in practice, but uh, once you got in the game, then, then they really got excited. Now typically guys pra uh, play like they practice. I mean, Randall Cobb, when he was at Kentucky, he practiced hard everything else, but you never really saw how good he was till he started playing live because everybody that's coming up two-hand tagging him in practice isn't getting him on the ground in, on the game. You know, he was just able to break tackles and make things happen. So I'm anxious to see um, exactly how our guys react when the lights come on. Now, here's one thing that I think Coach Sanders has that a Coach Clifton or many others in the country don't have, Jay, is that you've been around so many top-level talents. You've had the Jameis Winstons, the Randall Cobbs. He's been at that top level for so long in a coordinator role. He can speak, we talk about different languages, he can speak a different language to these players that many coaches would not be able to speak. And at least to me, and this is my thought, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you've been around top-level football a lot longer than I have, but for players, that would be exactly what I would want to hear. I would want to hear about the Randall Cobbs, the Jameis Winstons, because these guys are aspiring to be to that level, whether it is in the collegiate ranks or going out to the pros. Well, I mean, just when you look at resumes right and and Randy Sanders walks in and holds two national championship rings uh you know the first ever BCS the last ever BCS and he's coached Peyton Manning one of the all-time greatest quarterbacks he's got you know a Heisman Trophy winner and Jameis Winston he's had a couple number one picks he certainly knows what he's doing offensively to put the quarterbacks in good spot which means he's got the receivers and running backs tight ends line doing everything it's supposed to do so I think just simply when you heard his name and the resume itself speaks for it you have to imagine the guys had to be excited especially on the offensive side of things and don't forget 
one of the biggest problems for the defense last year was the fact that there were times the offense just had trouble getting a first down. There were a lot of three and outs. The defense got very little rest, very little time to communicate with their coaches. They had to run back out on the field. We'll see how that changes, though. Can Randy Sanders and his squad, just even if it's one, two first downs and punt, that's clearly better than a quick three and out and put the defense back out on the field. Now, I wonder how you respond kind of to this question because we're at a completely different point than the last time a head coach was – going into their first game the expectations are much higher this I think is next couple of years at least expected to be a big period where this program blossoms and becomes what it can be so with coach Sanders coming in now at this point it's obviously going to look a lot different than when Carl Torbush came into his first game what do you sense is the energy around this program and going into the first game for coach Sanders of course remember we had limestone last year and that was a 31 to 10 win kind of a, a tough game because it was raining and it was uh, an odd night in terms of conditions but a solid victory for ETSU but with coach Sanders versus coach Torbush's first game of course we're going into completely different situations yeah and I think the the big thing is for for coach Torbush's first game just the game itself was exciting we saw football again uh, it wasn't on campus but we saw football again last year you saw it on campus again you saw it outdoors it was still uh, a nuance of everything going on I think what the fans and and uh, I don't think I'm incorrect in this. What they want to see is can they get that extra yard? Because you can look in year one, year two, year three, where there were two games, three games, each one of those years where it's third and one, fourth and one, and ETSU couldn't get those yards, that, that simple yard, yard and a half. Can they get that? I think that will be the first question. The other thing is when you assume you go from a defensive-oriented coach like Coach Torbush to an offensive mind and Randy Sanders, you assume there's going to be points on the scoreboard. So I think there's going to be the can they get the yard, how many points can they put up, and how does that change the dynamic of the defense? You know, just like a three and out, if you go one, two plays, a 70-yard drive and two plays, clearly everybody's happy you get a touchdown. But that defense, again, has got, got to run back out on the field. But I think that the big thing is scoring and can the offense get that extra yard if they need it. And Logan Marchy was there yesterday. He was the offensive representative in the press conference, and he sounded very confident when it comes to the receivers and the men he'll be working with on the outside. And that can be difficult because I, I mentioned to him during the press conference, you know, this is kind of a new group, and maybe it's not new in the sense of it hasn't been around the program, but everyone's a little bit new, and, and this wide receiver group has not had the on-field looks because of uh, the Drake Powells, the Vincent Lowe's, those that uh, did excel at those positions and worked so well with Austin Herrick but now you've got a new quarterback a new coach and some receivers that are being stepped into a bigger limelight that are being ushered into this new Randy Sanders era and so with so many moving parts I think you're going to kind of expect a few things on Saturday night that may not be perfectly crisp but you've got a division two and Mars still going into then the University of Tennessee of course there's a huge gap there it'll be nice to know what the team needs to work on going into such a huge atmosphere uh, what 10 days from now yeah, I think a lot of people may be not sure what you're going to get because I, I think normal fan looks and goes, okay, probably big win versus Mars Hill. Okay, hope we're competitive against Tennessee, but maybe they don't really know what this team has until road game at VMI, home game firm in game three and four. I still think there's a lot you can learn from those two games, and I think the coaching staff will learn a lot. Randy Sanders – I mean, don't take this for granted. This is still his first game as a head coach. You know, it's different, I think, when you're worried about – and I think he said this as much to us before, if I'm just worried about offense. 
But now I've also got to be aware of what the defense is doing. What are we doing on special teams? It's going to be up to me. Hey, are we going to go for this? Are we going to kick a field goal? Are we going to try to punt? There's a lot of things that kind of falls on his shoulders now that we'll see kind of the adjustment period for him as well. And one more thing before we go to break. He also mentioned the off-field stuff. He, he mentioned his wife is going to be like the full-time ticket manager now because there's so many more tickets that you have to get. And where are we eating Friday? And make sure all the guys are where they need to be before. It was just the offensive unit, as you said. Now it's everybody that's involved in the game. It's the coaches. It's the strength coaches. It's, it's everybody that has a role it's not just uh 30 40 50 guys on offense now you're talking about like almost a couple hundred people here jay and so that to me on game day would be a little bit overwhelming i think it'll be exciting for coach sanders and the entire team and staff when the game just gets going because then you're in it and you don't have to worry about all the stuff that's out of the way well and i think also recruiting you know that's gonna go on during game days and again when you're an offense coordinator Hey, who are the offensive guys of the ball I need to meet? Well, now you're the head coach. you got to meet not just yeah. offense guys. Yes. The defensive guys, again, you may be recruiting kickers and punters and, and everything that goes with that. So I, I think everyone is excited to see exactly what to get from this team. I think we least know that there's some veterans, especially on that defensive side of the ball, four of the top five receivers are gone. Top two running backs are gone. Still got Dontavious Monroe. We got new names, Quay Holmes, and I think he was kind of penciled in in the two deep to get the start. So there's a lot of new faces. Randy Sanders throws to the tight end. That's something that we didn't see a lot of uh, with Coach Mike O'Kane and his offensive coordinator play call. So we'll just see what that new look offense is. And it'll be an exciting time for the Southern Conference as well. Not a lot of faith from the voters in the Southern Conference. And we'll talk to SoCon John uh, Hooper about that in just a moment. We'll get his thoughts on where everything stacks in the SoCon, what he expects from the Bucks, and what I think will be a tight race for who's going to win the championship in the Southern Conference. We'll talk to him right after this timeout. You're watching and listening to the Sandos and Sidekick podcast on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Whoa, 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 hey, hey, everyone settle down. What, what's all the commotion about? There's a new instant game launching in August? It's only a dollar? And there are 12 different versions featuring 12 different dogs? Celebrate the dog days of summer with a new Lucky Dog Instant Game. Collect the whole litter today, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Citizens Bank and our growing lending team are excited to support the game broadcasts of the ETSU Buccaneers. We are proud to provide a lineup of options that fit the needs of local businesses, whether it's an expansion loan, remote deposit service, SBA loan, or treasury management services. We can help your business grow. Visit our website or your local Citizens branch to speak with a qualified lender to learn more. From everyone at Citizens Bank, go Bucks! Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! 
I feel like day after day it's all the same. I know there's more out there. I, I just can't reach out and grab it. <laughs> Does that sound crazy? Um, no, but I'm a butcher. Perhaps a nice seafood dinner would help? Gosh, that sounds great. Excellent. I'll steam some shrimp for you. Really? No one's ever said that before. At Food City, our butchers can't solve your existential crisis, but they can offer a ton of other great services you won't find at most other grocery stores. Butchers make it better. Only at Food City. Today and every day, the Johnson City Way. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence in education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination. The Johnson City Way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City Way. When you come to Johnson City Honda, you can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, Johnson City. Sandos in the sidekick back with you, Jay Sandos. Mike Gallagher, our guest, knows the Southern Conference about as good as anybody, writes for several publications and follows it, well, really for about the past 15 years, I think since he was a student at Appalachian State. SoCon, John Hooper with us now. John, appreciate you taking the time. And my first uh, question to you is, what was your votes uh, for the Southern Conference? One, who did you think is going to win the league and how tight do you think the race is going to be? Well, I think it's going to be really tight. I I actually think um, Stanford's going to – I picked them to win the league, and I, I, I picked, you know, several, um, I guess, surprises. I think the surprise team in there I had as the fourth team, but maybe not a, a team that um, is is maybe on a lot of pe- people's radar. Maybe they are. But Mercer, I, I think, is a team that could step up this year. I think Bobby Lamb's got probably his best team that he's had. So I had them fourth, but – um, going two and three, I had uh, Furman as number two. I had Wofford number three, just because they have a new coach coming in. So that'll be interesting to watch the season in, in the Citadel and, and VMI. Uh, five, I guess I, I had Western Carolina uh, with Tyree Adams coming back and a lot of, of talent on offense. You look at uh, their offensive line, one of the better ones in the league. I had ETSU at number six. Um, I wasn't too sure about what what would transpire at quarterback, but now it looks like Logan uh, Markey's going to be the guy, and I think that that's probably the right call. And um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what uh, the Randy Sanders era uh, uh, produces, and that starts uh, this weekend with Mars Hill. And then seventh, I had um, actually had Chattanooga. I think they'll be improved this year. I think they'll be a team that. Um, you know, on defense, they're always pretty good. I think uh, six of the last seven seasons or six of the last eight seasons, they've led the league in total defense and been ranked pretty highly nationally. Um, they've always had a good defensive line. And, and I, I think they'll be a team that uh, that, that could challenge um, for a top, top uh, upper-tier finish in the league. The Citadel had eight 
Um, I, I had them eighth primarily because uh, last year was a little bit of a surprise. I know Brent Thompson on uh, his first year was able to win a, a, a share, uh, actually the Southern Conference title outright. So um, that's a, uh, an interesting uh, kind of scenario there. I think that they return a lot, but um, talking to some Citadel folks, they still think they're maybe a year away, but um, Jordan Black won't be having to look over his shoulder anymore uh, as far as um, splitting time with the other quarterback. I think he is the guy now. And then, obviously, um, at uh, last place had VMI. Um, they just really struggled to, to really uh, establish any kind of momentum under Scott Walkenheim. And he's had trouble keeping guys um, both in the quarterback position and they also had, I think, one of their best linebacker, Brian Linscombe, um, trans transferred to Kansas. Uh, so he'll be playing for the Jayhawks this year. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what, what transpires with their quarterback position. They've had a couple of guys, I know a, a guy leave early a, a, a couple of years ago, and then Duncan Edwards last year transferred to North Alabama. So um, quarterbacks kind of been uh, musical chairs for them uh, the past few seasons. Well, you take a look at the, the Southern Conference already, and it, to me it's not a shock, but there's, there's three teams uh, in the top 25. There's three receiving votes, and uh, sort of the top three, uh, you know, with Wofford, Sanford, and Furman receiving votes, uh, uh, Citadel, Mercer, Western Carolina. And, and Mercer, and, and we, we saw it here at our place with Keenan Riley, who was a freshman, had an outstanding campaign. Bucks able to kind of upend them in overtime. But there were a couple of games. I mean, there were a couple of plays, if I'm not mistaken, from beating Wofford last year early in the season. And Wofford sort of had that horseshoe because Mercer dropped, I think, a couple touchdown passes, right? And and then Furman went for two and didn't get it. The first couple wins of the season, that, that sort of propelled Wofford. But Mercer had a lot of tough losses like that this year, so I certainly can see how you're high on them. Yeah, I think um, just just having uh, one of the interesting trends uh, transitions they've made as a offensive coordinator, Bobby Lamb, who was calling the plays, I think the previous two or three years will not be calling the plays this year. They've hired an offensive coordinator, Joe Pizzo. I think he's out of North Greenville, which is a Division two school just up the road from Furman, and they've had a pretty successful program. I know uh, Coach Tadwell used to did a good job there at North Greenville for a while, and they've had a successful program, so he's hired him to, to kind of call the plays and take some pressure, I guess, off of Coach Lamb and let him concentrate in other areas as far as uh, what he does as a head coach. Uh, he mentioned in his SOCON preview that he'd be, um, you know, taking over more responsibilities as far as calling uh, the special teams as well as uh, getting in on some of the defensive play calls. So that'll be uh, that'll be something to watch this season, I think, for the Bears. And, and they had a good defense last year. I mean, if you look at, uh, they started, I think, a true freshman, a defensive back, Malik uh, Fleming, who was um, a really good player, and, and uh, I think they get a, a, a good linebacking quarterback, and they got one of the best defensive ends in Isaiah Bueller in the Southern Conference. So um, Riley, you mentioned it. He was a guy that was a freshman All-American last year, and also um, they get their running back, T. Mitchell, back, who had one of his better games against uh, the national champions in Alabama um, as kind of one of their few bright spots at the end of the season last year. Along with Riley, John, this is Mike Gallagher. Thanks for coming on. Just give us an overview of the quarterback position in the conference because there's a couple of big names that are back, but there's going to be a lot of changes under center for a lot of other teams. I think that's a very good point, um, Mike. I think that if you look at the teams that are bringing back their quarterbacks, I think Western Carolina brings back Tyree Adams, who I thought was 
one of the more explosive guys in the Southern Conference, and I think East Tennessee State was was a team that I was really impressed with having seen them play Furman last year uh, with, with the way Austin Herring, I think he was um, pressured on about every play, but he, he stood in there and he, he, he's a really uh, made some good throws and a guy that, um, you know, opened up, I think, with a deep pass to, to Drake Powell for a touchdown where ETSU took the lead early in that game. Um, but it, it'll be interesting to see how uh, Logan Markey, you know, steps in there. He won't be, uh, I guess, when they when East Tennessee State goes up to, to Tennessee um, in the second week of the season, he won't be awed by the, the you know, 80 or 100,000 in attendance uh, at uh, UT because he, he played against Notre Dame, I I think he threw for something like 245 yards against them. So um, he's he's got the pedigree to, to be a very good quarterback in this league. Uh, Walford's always an interesting situation. Um, they've got uh, Miller Mosley, a transfer from Air Force, I believe it is, coming in, kind of challenging Joe Newman for that starting position. But they're a team that, that at, traditionally in the past, when they've been successful, they've played two guys at quarterback. And so... Um, that's uh, that's something to watch for them. I think that how they mix those two in, and whether it's Newman taking two series per half, or and, and Miller Mosley taking the rest, or vice versa, it'll be interesting to see what they do against the Citadel in the opener. And like I mentioned, with the Citadel, Jordan Black will be the guy there that he's not going to be looking over his shoulder um, uh, for you know to see if the the other guy's coming in the next series. He's going to be the guy at the Citadel this year. And I think uh, one of the interesting situations is the one you look at at Chattanooga. Uh, the past two seasons, I guess it is now, they've, they've had to start the season without the guy that they uh, thought was going to be coming in as their starter. Cole Copeland, um, obviously, is academically ineligible. So that puts uh, either Chris James or Nick Tiano under center for the, the opener. And um, I've, I'm hearing some rave reviews about this, this uh, Chris James kid. I believe he's a Juco transfer with a big arm. So um, I look for him to, you know, probably do some uh, nice things this year. I, I think Chattanooga's real question is uh, they, they really have an unproven running back. And um, and that might be one of the things, to, the storylines to watch in the league this year as well. But um, at Furman, you've got a couple of guys in Jamar Lincoln, who's a redshirt freshman. And, you got a, a, a redshirt senior in Harris Roberts um, who will probably both share snaps early on in the season with the graduation of P.J. Blaszczowski. Um, but but Lincoln's more of the, the option guy. He's better, you know, with his legs uh, than his arm. And then Harris Roberts is more of the, the veteran, the guy that knows the offense, and, and the guy that probably has a little bit better arm than Lincoln. So I would, I would expect both of them to get uh, playing time. And then you mentioned uh, Kalen Riley at, at, at Mercer. He's going to be the guy under center, um, getting getting all the snaps. And um, as far as at, at VMI, I think it's probably going to be Austin Cowling uh, to be the, the signal caller for those guys when they open up here uh, against Toledo on Saturday. And, and um, he's probably the most experienced guy they've got on their you know, on their team. And as far as uh, signal caller is concerned. So I, w- I would look for him to, to be the starter. But, yeah, the, there's there's been a lot of turnover at the quarterback position in the Southern Conference. But um, you look at the, the teams that uh, – I, I think Western Carolina is one of the interesting teams because they've got a guy in Tyree Adams that was thought they were going to be probably make it to the playoffs for the first time since 1983. And then they kind of uh, hit a slump down the stretch. They lost to Furman and then 
lost, I, I guess it was at home to Mercer in a tough game. Um, so that kind of uh, uh, squelched their playoff hopes, so to speak. Well, and they even had a, you know, when you look at, especially with their, their running back, uh, Detrez Newsom was Mr. Everything. He missed a couple games. They actually won some games with him not in the lineup. So there was a little bit of a, a shock and awe with Western Carolina for sure. If you had to, real quick, John, I just got another minute or two, you had to pencil a game in for ETSU that, that you're looking to to maybe see if uh, what type of team they have on the schedule for the Bucks. Which game are you most interested in? Well, I'm I'm interested to see. I mean, the the the, the game against Furman. I think that's a game that they can, you know, prove what kind of team. That's an early game. I guess that's um, uh, late September um, game for for East Tennessee State and and Furman. And I think that's a team that uh, that Furman might be, you know, still trying to to get their act together as far as their quarterback's concerned. Uh, they got a tough early season slate. So that might be a game that having that game at home and. Um, expecting probably a good home crowd. I think that's a 7.30 kickoff. Um, that could be a game that, you know, ETSU comes out and proves themselves. I think on defense, if you look at at uh, ETSU's defense, it's one of the more underrated defenses in the league. I mean, you look at what they have at linebacker and, and Dylan Weigel and up front with uh, Nasir Player, who I thought was one of the better defensive ends I saw all last year. The real question, I think, for ETSU might be, the secondary and if they can shore things up in the secondary this year i think they could they could possibly be a factor in it and you know if they spring that upset who knows i think um and if they can get some production out of Jawan stinson at running back um i think this is uh they could be a pretty good offense now the question mark for etsu on the offensive side of the ball will probably be uh, I, I think at wide receiver, but uh, I think a, a, a decent offensive line returning up front with, with Matt Pike, and I think uh, could be a, it could be a big game for them if they could kind of get that upset win like they had a few years ago over Sanford. I know that came at the end of the year, but if this could come at the, kind of the beginning of conference play, who knows? I mean, that could give the team enough confidence to, to make a run at the John, appreciate the time, and we look forward to you as this podcast grows and uh, we, we get a little further into football season. Certainly we get into hoops. We'll talk to you a little bit more down the road, but thank you for taking the time today. Thanks, John. Well, I appreciate you having me, and uh, look forward to doing it again sometime. All right, that's John Hooper. You can follow him on social media, SoCon John Hooper, and he does a great job covering Southern Conference athletics, among, uh, many platforms and many sports. So he's not just a one-trick pony for the Southern Conference. So uh, we appreciate John. We're going to take a break. When we come back, it's our angry man. We'll talk to him and see what makes the every man angry. We'll see. <laughs> right for this time, out to your word from the Buccaneers Sports Network. Nice Wonger Children's Hospital is proud to be the only hospital in the region dedicated to serving kids, teens, and their families. With over 20 subspecialists in pediatric medicine, as well as access to the Level 1 Trauma Center at Johnson City Medical Center, we are committed to providing hope and healing to you and your family. To learn more, visit NiceWongerChildrens.org. That's NiceWongerChildrens.org. The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 12 
1216 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. Here's the deal. At Wendy's, every hamburger is made with fresh, never frozen beef. Now here's the big deal. You can get a day's double with a half pound of hot and juicy beef, along with small fries and a drink for just $5 when you download the Wendy's app. And the real deal? That's a whole lot of delicious Wendy's food for just $5. Download the app today. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. At participating Wendy's for a limited time. Mulliken Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mulliken's pre-finished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson City locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulliken Flooring. Bucks fans and football fans across the country can now design their dream home during pregame or halftime. The new My Designs app by General Shale lets you create custom projects right from your phone or tablet. Choose from 10 home and building structures designed with over 50 popular brick and stone colors. You can even share your designs with friends. Download the My Designs app by General Shale on the App Store or visit MyDesignsApp.com to design your dream project today. General Shale, a proud supporter of ETSU Athletics. New coach, new era, new day. Here from ETSU football head man Randy Sanders, all fall on the ETSU Coaches Show now on Wednesday nights. If you're scared by all the change, don't be. Voice of the Bucks, Jay Sando, still host from Wildwind Cafe, and it's still a 6 o'clock start now every Wednesday throughout the football season. Morristown native and new ETSU football head coach Randy Sanders on the ETSU Coaches Show right here on WXSM AM 640. The Extreme Sports Monster. Yo, can I get a win? Ah! Hey, 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 uh, throughout the season, talking ETSU athletics. Uh, we will be talking to people like we just did, SoCon John, who covers the Southern Conference. We'll also talk to some FCS mid-major college basketball folks throughout the year, along with players, coaches, other things. But we want to have fun at least once a day. And our next guest, and um, for those of you watching, I'll pop it up the podcast. won't do you much good. But our, our random angry man, everything normal people hate, if you will, is going to join us every Tuesday for our Ticked Off Tuesday segment to let us know what it is that normal guy gets mad about. So I'm assuming we have Angry Man. Angry Man, are you there? Hey, guys, what's going on? What's up, Angry Man? What has got you fired up today on this Ticked Off Tuesday? Guys, I woke up this morning in a great mood. It's a beautiful Tuesday. And then you know what hit? I got into a crowded parking lot, parking is scarce, and a car parked diagonal taking up two spots, and I couldn't park there. That got my blood boiling this morning, and I was ticked off. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that escalated quickly, which is what I like. Okay, Okay, well, first question is, did you do what I would do, which is try to box the guy in 
or was there there was spots either way you couldn't quite box them in? No, you couldn't even box them in. It was very tight. I have a bigger vehicle, so it was tight. I was angry. To add more salt to that, the car in front of me was trying to get into a, a smaller spot, and he was waiting five minutes, and then he would go in, inch forward, back out, inch forward, back out. So I'm waiting for him to park so I could get moving. And finally, if he would have just moved up two spots, there's a bigger spot for him to get in his spot. Luckily for me, I got his spot, and I was able to park. But, man, did that get me ticked off for about five good minutes this morning. Counterpoint, Angry Man. You know what ticks me off is people that drive around with these massive vehicles that when they even park between the lines of a parking spot, they still take up, like, three parking spots. Your thoughts? I have no idea what you're talking about. You have no idea what I'm talking about. Oh, of course you don't, because you drive one of these big vehicles, don't you? Big vehicle, you should know how to park it. Do you know how to park yours? I parked it perfectly this morning, so I don't want to hear it. I think that you probably went outside and saw your own parking job and got yourself ticked off just to have something to talk about. You were probably out of ideas, so you parked sideways, walked out, and saw, oh, somebody parked. Oh, it's me. I have a question for Anger Man. Are you the guy, because you you have apparently a, a, a big vehicle, are you the guy that would be willing Probably to park massive. like seven rows over by yourself so you can eat up four spots and nobody's <laughs> around you? Are you one of those guys? That's the kind yeah, of person that, Angry Man is. perfectly fine because there's no one else around you. You're parking farther away. But in this scenario, it was a small vehicle that anyone could park in a minute. And they're like, hey, I'm just going to go in diagonally in a crowded parking lot where people need to park on a busy day and take up two spots. I hope he got 10 parking tickets for that. Let me guess, Angry Man, you have a cover for the bed of your truck. I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, you do. You know. You know exactly what the answer to that is. I feel like I know you already. You're just random Angry Man, but I can I can pigeonhole you to exactly what I think you are right now. now. You have a giant truck. You have a bed for your truck. Oh, it's just it's unbelievable. Oh, well, here, it's a giant truck. Well, here, uh, well here's, here's the question. What what would you, if if you could make a law, you you, you were the, the parking police, if you will. Yep. What would be a proper punishment for somebody that diagonal parked in a crowded parking lot that ate up two spots? What would be the appropriate street cop justice you could do? Oh, that's an easy answer. Give them the boot. So then they got to sit there and go get it, get it unlocked, pay a hefty fine, and then move on with their day. This so, isn't New York City, angry man. What are you talking about? The boot? Does the boot the exist boot. in Johnson City? I, I'm sure I have, it does. It sure Have is. you seen the I boot? Have, Show I, me evidence of the boot. I've seen the boot. Have you? I have seen the boot. It's probably on your car, isn't it, Jay? It You're was, just like angry man with your big truck, and it's just taking up five different places. I mean, I have to admit, I had the boot put on once in Nashville because I, uh, I didn't realize that it was a parking spot from i think it was 7 p.m till 6 a.m and so i thought it was a spot there so i I left it there and i think our hotel was a block away so instead of paying the 30 bucks to park at the hotel parking lot i thought oh, i'll just park here well then in the morning i walk down there's there's people mad at me honking at my car because you know it's in the road where it's not supposed to be because it went back to a two-lane road and it had the boot on to make it more embarrassing. I, I couldn't move the car. I don't think I had that's... to wait while people were, were honking, which I didn't know the, the that it was that. But I, I have had a boot on my car. That doesn't sound so much like your fault. That just sounds really confusing. I'm not sure that I could keep up with everything that they got going on in what city was that? Nashville. I'm not sure that I could Nashville. keep up with everything of the big city atmosphere like Nashville. Angry man, I had my car towed about eight times during undergrad and college because I was much like Jay. I didn't really pay attention to the parking rules, and it would be a two-hour zone, and I was like, ah, oh, you know, they don't come around every two hours. I can squeeze about three, four hours. Three or four would turn into six or seven. Six or seven would turn into a couple days, and naturally, at some point, it would get towed. How often has Angry Man been towed? 
I've been towed once. That's it in your life, exactly. once. Yeah, because I follow rules. And you follow way, rules. That way I don't tick off anyone else because I know how it feels to get ticked <laughs> off. Yeah, you've never ticked off anyone else. Have you ever lost your car in a parking garage because there was one next to it that looked the same? <laughs> I looked for a car, my car, uh, in a parking garage uh, with another guy that used to umpire with me. We would travel around the state and, and umpire uh, summer baseball as sort of a gig. And, you had the big strike and, call. And, uh, yeah, of course. I had the big zone. Everybody was out. Yeah. I mean, we were trying to move the game along, trying to get a paycheck, move on. That's, right. that's beside the point. Naturally. But – as uh, we got done, it was, you know, 12, 1 o'clock at night because, you know, we need to have these, you know, 12, 13-year-olds playing from 6 a.m. To, to 1 a.m. But uh, either way, I took the paycheck and moved on. But uh, we went back to the parking garage, and we're both we're like, okay, we had to be on the third level. We're right here, and we're looking. It's not there. We got the fourth level. We got the second level. We're going. We're talking to the parking attendant. We're about to call the police. And finally, somebody said, well, did you check the parking garage next to us? And we're like, what are you talking about? And we walk outside, and it's the ex- it looks the exact same, same wording, Everything, same color scheme. We walk in there, sure enough, there's the car. So for an hour and 15 minutes, I've actually lost a car where it was exactly parked where it was. Have you done that, angry man? That, that has happened to me multiple times. New car, old car. You know, I guess I drive popular models. I, I guess I have good taste is what you could say. And, and it No has, one says that. Yeah, no one's never, saying that about know, you. You never know. And it, that, that has happened, and it's frustrating. But you know what else is frustrating? When you leave somewhere and you thought you parked where you parked, and then you end up. Ten minutes later, be like, oh, wait a minute, I parked somewhere completely far away that you're not even in the area code, and then you got to walk that distance because you remembered lately that you parked in the wrong spot. How yeah, old yeah, are you, yeah. angry no, man? No, are you listen, forget- listen. Is this no, happened no. to you, too? Yes, because there's there's an upper lot, lower lot, and so you'll you'll forget a lot of, you know, because you nor- let's just say you normally park in the lower lot. And there's that random chance you happen to drive by and there's a parking spot up front, which never happens unless you're at work at 6 a.m. So it happens to be like right at lunch, like, oh, goodness, there's a spot you park there. Well, every other day of your life, you're used to walking down the lower lot, down the steps. You get all the way out there, and you're thinking, well, I remember kind of parking over here because that's where I normally park. And then you circle, you circle. Or if you're like me, you keep hitting the button, right? You try to wait for it to beep or, you know, the panic button, and then you don't hear it or you hear it a long way off, and you're going, what is that? And then you realize you've parked nowhere near where you were. So I've been there angry, man. I tell you the one that was scary for me. I once, and I've had this 2001 Honda CRV for quite some time, and it's a pretty common model, right? The CRV is a reliable car. People like Hondas. You can get replacement parts pretty easy, and they tend to last you a long time. So a lot of CRVs on the road. This is 2001. And in the same color, same exact color, same exact model, there was one parked like two spots away from me one day. And I didn't notice. I didn't you know, head down, walking towards my car. Been a long day. I'm kind of exhausted. And I put the key in the hole, and I, and I get in, and there's dice on the mirror. And I'm not the type of guy to drive around with some dice on the mirror. You know, that's not really my are thing. You not, if you're are into you not? it, if you're into it, I don't judge you, but it's not my <laughs> kind of thing. So I sit down and I, I'm about to put the key in the ignition and I look around and I have to look into the back seat and kind of judge myself. I realize it's not my car. Was so there my some car key, seats in the back? Was there a kid in the back? What are you doing? <laughs> there was a live child in the back. Yeah. No, the so I, I get out and I'm like, I did my key just work for another car? Can people just come along with random Honda keys and get into my car also? I, I lived in fear from then on that my car would be stolen. It hasn't yet. doesn't mean it won't happen soon, though. Is it a common problem to get that ignition going? What? Did it get it going? Oh, uh, I, I didn't actually get the okay. key in the hall. I was wondering where it was going with that. No, it, it did uh, It did not get it going. So uh, I, uh, I got out of my car, or their car, got to my car, and everything was fine. But I was terrified, and I still uh, sleep with one eye open. 
All right, last uh, minute or two of the angry man. Did, do you have uh, – did anything make you angry in sports on TikTok Tuesday here over the weekend with random angry guy? Had to be a few things. Surely. Well, you know, that's a good question. Uh, Nothing comes to mind right away. Well, I'll wait till football season and the Bears you know, start actually, you sucking. Actually, know what happened last week with the, with the White Sox with Kopech pitching against uh, Minnesota? Mm-hmm. And he gets in at two innings, and all of a sudden they get into a rain delay. Chicago sports is pumped up for the White Sox. He got a young – Rookie stud getting called up, big day down there on the south side, and then Mother Nature has to play its course, and everyone's excited <laughs> to see the future. And then, lo and behold, you can only get two innings in, and then his, his opening uh, debut there is cut short because of weather. So that that kind of got me fueled up a little bit. So you're mad at Mother Nature is who Angry Man is ticked off with today. Yeah. yeah. And I can see that. There are a lot of people that generally get mad at weather, like it's your – you finally get vacation and it rains the entire week, or or some, or you're on a golf trip and it rains the entire week, or at least anything. White Sox fans are excited for the future because no one has there been excited been about the present since 2005. Excited about all year in Chicago for White White Sox baseball. All year? How about so, try 13 years when they won the World Series in 2005? It's been a horrendous last decade and a half. When, when was the last time Minnesota won the World Series? <laughs> <laughs> Why are we bringing that up? I, that, what yeah, are we? There we go. There we go. We got yes, uh, you boys, you boys. Hey, ticked off Tuesday. Next Tuesday, Angry Man will have more of what makes the every guy, or really not even a guy, the average person mad and what makes him mad over the weekend. All right, angry guy, appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right, when we come back, we're going to move back into some FCS talk. The top 25 is out for the preseason. We'll take a look at that. We briefly mentioned with SoCon John about Southern Conference teams that are ranked in the top 25, who's receiving votes. There was a big matchup last weekend, and we'll look ahead at who's going to pit against one another this weekend as far as top 25 FCS action. This is Sanders and the Sidekick. More after this time out on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets. High-performance gas ranges. Or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. Purchasing a new home, remodeling your home, First Bank and Trust makes applying for a loan easy. Our online application process is designed to allow you to stop anytime and pick up where you left off when it works for you. And after you submit an online application, you can check your loan status anytime. Visit or call me, Rose Fulton, today for help with your purchase, refinance, construction, or home loan. We're there for all your mortgage needs because we're your bank for life. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. This is the Pepsi that your father drank and your grandfather drank. When I was your age, we were. This is the Pepsi that your Uncle Ted drank when rock sounded like this. This is the Pepsi for American pastimes. Whether you're tailgating at a speedway or courtside watching your favorite player make a breakaway, he scores! This is the Pepsi for those who are forever fun. This is the Pepsi for every generation. Known for its personalized service and friendliness, the environment at the Johnson City Country Club is comfortable, casual, and inviting. One of the greatest assets is the beautiful clubhouse. From the sweeping verandas, the fireplace in the massive ballroom, to our intimate private dining rooms to our 19th hole, the clubhouse accommodates all desires. For decades, the Johnson City Country Club has been host to numerous wedding receptions, business meetings, golf outings, and an array of social functions. The setting is ideal for any event in any season. Whether your function is large or small, your guests will enjoy a fine dining experience with professional, courteous attention. The Johnson City Country Club, a tradition since 19. 
No one knows better than the Bucks what it takes to compete on the college level. No one knows better than Bullseye what it takes to compete in the business market. At Bullseye, we provide innovative products and services to help our customers meet their business objectives, and you can count on us for graphic design, printing, mailing services, and much more. Bullseye, a preferred partner of the ETSU Athletic Department. Call Bullseye in Johnson City at 423-283-7772 or visit us on Hanover Road near Cheddar's. Bullseye for all your printing needs. Take a look at top 25 FCS poll preseason slash week one. Jay Santos, Mike Gallagher on Sandos and the sidekick. Don't forget you can download or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can do it either way, so you can Live on Facebook Live or again, two different ways to get the audio version on iTunes or on SoundCloud. So, Mike Gallagher, let's take a look at the stats. Top 25 points. Well, it always starts at the top, right? North Dakota State and James Madison. Shocker, shocker. One and two, and I am going to bounce this off you. We were at James Madison last year, and the team obviously is extremely polished, extremely talented, and can go on the road and, and beat uh, FBS teams uh, kind of on a consistent basis, it seems like. So James Madison, North Dakota State, no surprise they're at the top. Is there anyone that you look at in this top 25 poll, and we'll go through the rest of it here in a second, that you feel like can jump up and compete with those two this year? No, not right now. No, absolutely not. Matter of fact, the only team that's beat North Dakota State really was James Madison, beat him in the semifinals uh, two years ago to break the streak with North Dakota State. It just stopped it for one season before they won yet another national championship. Now, North Dakota State has had a lot of turnover in the coaching ranks. There also is some rumors with what's going on around um, FBS with some coaches. Will there be changes? Will there not be changes? You know, rather that that's Maryland and some other things there, some other schools, but they, they feel like North Dakota State's probably going, and we'll talk to uh, former Buccaneer Sports Network employee Keith Brake in a few weeks about it. He actually works in Fargo on the flagship station or sideline reporter, but but he thinks this will be the last year that North Dakota State will be able to hang on to Coach JMU gave their coach a huge, huge raise last year uh, when East Carolina was come knocking. So the one thing is they got continuity at the, at the top of the, the coaching ranks. Now, James Madison returns a lot of their assistants where North Dakota State did not. So there's a little bit there, but Talent-wise, so far, those teams have just cruised through the playoffs the last several years, except when they played each other. So I think it's an obvious answer that if you're giving me those two schools versus everybody else, I'm taking those two schools. Uh, you know, Now things can change, injuries, we'll see what happens. But right now that's the cream of the cr- crop in FCS until somebody can jump up and prove that they're worthy. It seems like even those second and third stringers could form a pretty good team themselves at the Division One AA FCS type level. So you've got those two uh, top of the tier, you know, top of the mountain. Then it's South Dakota State, Sam Houston State's fourth, Kennesaw State fifth, Jacksonville State. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on that North Carolina A&T Jacksonville State game because, as you said, it was a matchup of a couple of top 15 teams College football being back is amazing. I went and looked for some uh, over the weekend myself and found a few games. Nothing where I really sat there and was just like, I cannot 
get off. Uh, I, I have to watch this. I, I you can't mean you do didn't watch else. the UMass game, Tina Green? <laughs> it was like 28 nothing, like five minutes into the game. I, I wasn't so much into that one. And there were about four or five other games where I could have, if I was diehard college football guy, I would have, but didn't stick around for him. Really, this week is when everything gets into full swing. But to kick off the FCS year, a great game between Jacksonville State and North Carolina. Well, that's something they've started the last couple of years at FCS. I think it was Chattanooga and Jacksonville State a, a year ago. Was Beat it? the FPS to the punch. Why right. Not? And, and they get a play. And there's been uh, Charleston Southern with Jamie Channel, a former ETSU Buccaneer quarterback, went up to North Dakota State, and they missed a field goal uh, in that early game. So it's the third or fourth year they've been able to get a game early, get some national exposure, uh, you know, and and, you, and they've tried to get ranked teams to play each other. It was a great game. North Carolina A&T uh, has had a good team for several years, and so they got a chance to finally showcase it. That's sort of, you know, the league they play in doesn't get a lot of fanfare for being tough, so a lot of people, ah, you know, they're winning those games, but who are they really playing? So to them to go in there, force a lot of turnovers in basically Jacksonville State's backyard, uh, and to able to force turnovers, get a lead, hang on to that lead, and pick up a victory says a lot about A&T, but what that does for Jacksonville State, who's been fighting to get some respect, a lot of people I was reading online, especially a lot of FCS people, are talking about they literally play nobody and can prove anything until they get to that Kennesaw State game. And so it's going to do a lot to hurt them on the national scene because they just don't have too many more opportunities to play anybody to get that recognition. So that was a tough loss for Jacksonville State and a great win for North Carolina A&T. So Jacksonville State number six, North Carolina A&T is at number 14. Uh, when the second poll comes out, it'll be interesting to see how both of those change. New Hampshire seven, Weber State eight, Eastern Washington nine, Ninth, and then you hit the SoCon teams, the Wofford and Sanford back-to-back in the poll, 10 and 11. You go down to Furman. They're at number 23. Then in the receiving votes category, Western, Mercer, and Citadel. To you, of those six teams where you go Wofford, Sanford, then Furman, Western, Mercer, Citadel, is that the right order? Those six teams, should all of them be in the poll in the first place? Well, uh, I, I, no, I don't think all six should be in the poll, but I, I do think that the one issue with FCS is – because they're all going to play that FBS game. They're all going to play that money game. It's all going to happen at different times. So Wofford for the last couple of years, their FCS or FBS game has been at the end of the season. So they're going to get a couple of conference games in early, and I think one of them is going to be Chattanooga and VMI. I think it's their first two games this year. You look at Samford, and, and they're going to play uh, uh, Kennesaw State fairly early in the season. So I think that's going to kind of dictate where that goes. Furman actually is going to play an FBS game, and then they're going to turn around and play Elon, which is ranked in the top 25. And actually, uh, Elon jumped out to a 21-0 lead last year. Furman came back to actually take the lead to have a heartbreaking 34-31 loss at home. Now they'll go to Elon. So we'll learn a little bit about uh, Samford and Furman because they're going to play a couple of ranked non-conference opponents early. Wofford has a tough stretch. They're going to play four straight road games. They're going to open up with two home games in the Southern Conference, and then I think it's unheard of, four straight Road games and football is very tough to do. We complain about three road basketball right. games. Right. How in the world are you supposed to deal with four straight road games? So I think that's going to be uh, sort of interesting to see how that goes. You know, f- as far as the teams that are right now, the ones that aren't, I think there's still a little bit of work to do for Western. I certainly think uh, Mercer, uh, and I agree because they are just so electric on offense. Bobby Lamb's always been creative, so it's interesting to hear that he's given up creative control on what the offense is going to do. I, I think Mercer I would put ahead, and I did when I got to vote, I put Mercer ahead of Western Carolina. So if I was to put a fourth team in, I would have put Mercer in the top 25 uh, over the other, the other teams that were just receiving votes. And Citadel is just a name that's receiving votes right now. I think they're going to have to prove that they need to be 
getting votes to get back in the top 25. Where do you think Western is in terms of this year versus last year first half, last year second half? Because it seemed like Western jumped up, not out of nowhere, but they were a team that was surprising maybe in that first half of the year and then came back to earth, lost a number of games late down the stretch and ended up being kind of a middle-of-the-pack Southern Conference team. Do they resemble more to you, the team from the first half or second half? Well, I, I think, you know, it was interesting because Detrez Newsom, who's their Mr. Everything, missed a little bit during that winning streak, mm-hmm. and then they had trouble getting them back in. But Adams, the quarterback, is just so dynamic and can do so many things, as ETSU knows. They had a chance to sack him a couple times. He breaks free and was able to get out. Colloway's a tough place to play because nobody wants to go to Colloway. I mean, you know, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but it is. It's a tough place to go play. They generally try to play in, in, the, in the middle of the day, 3.30. They put the visiting team where what generally would be the home side. So where the 8,000 fans are is where the visiting team is, and where there's a you know a smattering of 500 folks that made the trip with the road team, Western's bench is on the other side. Plus, the sun beats down on the home side. So there's a little bit of a method to the madness Game for Western Carolina and what they do. Certainly, you know, I don't know that they painted the locker room pink or anything, as Iowa does <laughs> or something like that. But I, I think Western's a, a tough place to play. Mercer's been a tough place to play for a lot of folks to go again. They were a couple of drop passes away from, from beating Wofford. Certainly they they could have beaten ETSU here uh, at, at, at uh, Green Stadium. But I think uh, Western Carolina losing to Trez Newsom, I'll be curious. But Adams is a difference maker because he can run, he can throw. They do a good job of kind of getting him uh, in the right spots to let him use his athleticism, you know, with arm or legs to, to do some damage. So I think Western – is is middle of the pack to answer your question. I don't know they're the first half. I don't know their second half. I think they're going to be a solid middle of the pack SoCon team that if a couple breaks go their way, they could get in the playoffs, or certainly a couple breaks don't go their way and they could finish fifth or sixth in the league. Best of the rest going from 12 to 25. Elon, number 12, you mentioned they're top 25 right in the middle of the pack there. UNI, 13. There's North Carolina A&T after that win at number 14. Delaware, 15. Central Arkansas, 16. McNeese, Nichols, Villanova, Stony Brook round out the top 20. Illinois State, Austin P. There's Furman, Montana, and Youngstown State. First couple that are receiving votes, South Dakota, Western Illinois, and Southern Utah, along with Northern Arizona. Anyone else stand out from that uh, best of the rest type group? I, I, I'll, you know, Villanova's last couple of years had a good team getting getting the playoffs and kind of struggled from there. Montana has kind of gone back to to an old coach of theirs that was able to to get things going and, and see if he can rekindle what the Grizzlies were when they were winning. As a matter of fact, when ETSU went up there in '96 and lost that tough playoff game, so you know Mon- Montana's in there. And I think they have a top 25 game, uh, one of the only top 25 matchups this week. Um, Delaware, uh, you know. They've lost, I think, their quarterback from last year. It threw some big numbers. We'll be curious to see. Otherwise, I would think them and the CAA would have an opportunity to do some things. But that's really the best of the rest. And I, um, I think one of the last games of the day is a, is a top 25 matchup, if I'm not mistaken. Northern Iowa and Montana, yep. Yeah, Northern Iowa. So, again, and that's, that's a team. Uh, Northern Iowa has struggled outside their mini-dome. Uh, that they have just like uh, we have on campus here in Johnson City. They've struggled outside of that, and they'll go to Montana. Now, the good news is it's Montana in you know early September as opposed to Montana in October, November, something like that, late in the season when you get some really weather issues. You know That might be a good matchup for Northern Iowa, but that will be an interesting one to pay attention to. And, again, the first couple of weeks they're, they're – 
F- FCS teams are playing some conference games. There's some are playing FBS. So it's hard really to gauge uh, some of the top 25 until you get about three, four weeks in and then kind of see where the smoke settles once everybody starts to play some common opponents or at least some uh, FCS uh, common folks, whether it's in-league play or non-conference matchups. Like like Sanford and Kennesaw State. We're about to wrap up. Last night, ETSU women's soccer, 3-2 to two loss to Winthrop. I'm very interested to see what they're going to do going forward this year. Adam Sayers and company trying to bounce back off a year where they went 6-12, and 3-6 and six in the SOCON. But the year before, 13-6-2, 2 6-2-1 in the SOCON. Really a historic year for that program, and it didn't go their way last night. But coming off a number of injuries where Pauline Vienne missed some time, Megan Sowers missed some time, Fiona Dodge, there were just a ton that didn't get to play um, last year for the entire season, developed some camaraderie between the entire 11 that were on the field. Very excited to see them come into this conference season, men's soccer and volleyball as well. But women's soccer last night, that 3-2 loss. And Coach Adam Sayers and his gals are trying to prepare their best soccer for this upcoming conference season as they try to return to form from 2016. So tomorrow's show, Sandos and the sidekick, Lando's Land, will be with us. We'll start to break down Mars Hill and ETSU as we build up for the first game of the season Saturday. Don't forget to get your tickets, 439-ETSU, 439-3878. Mike will be back together then. Uh, Looking forward to uh, another great show. Yes, sir. That'll do it for Santos and the Sidekick. We will see you tomorrow, Episode 3. Don't forget to download it on iTunes and on SoundCloud. This has been a production of the Buccaneer Sports Network.